This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Do you like sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast, hosted by thesciencefictionary.com. I'm David, and joining me today is Andrew. What's going on? And Marisha. Hey, everybody. And this week, we want to kind of have a chilled, laid-back show. We're going to talk about uh, just a little bit of news, and then we're going to um, talk about an X-Files episode that we watched, and uh, maybe some more. We'll see. We're just going to see where things go. Um, not a lot of news has been going on lately, ever since DC fandom. Pretty much after that, it's all been... Uh, Nothing. <laughs> right. uh, I want to get past the the quick little small bits of news and see if y'all have anything to say about them. Uh, Supergirl got canceled, and there's going to be a Peacemaker show on HBO Max starring John Cena. Who Peacemaker is the character he's going to play in the new Suicide Squad movie. Any okay. thoughts? Um, I mean, I don't have a lot of thoughts. I mean, I, you know, it, it should be. It's an intriguing idea to do that. I, they must have a lot of faith in whatever they're seeing from John Cena. Like, if I just had mm-hmm. to, looking at the cast list, if I, if I had to guess which one of these actors is going to get a spinoff series, he would not have been at the top of the list. <laughs> I would have assumed he That's was true. just kind of there because he looks tough. Well, you thought they were going to do a, um, a Nathan Fillion um what what is he? Arm arm fall off boy. Arms fall off boy. <laughs> <laughs> that's the show. That's that's, that's show the Firefly right season two we never got. Exactly. <laughs> Arms fall off boy. Yeah, it's funny you bring up a, uh, that they must see something in John Cena because you can't see him. Uh, that's true. He's <laughs> never been spotted. <laughs> <laughs> Never been seen. But you know what? The couple of things I've seen him in, um, he was in that Daddy's Home 2 movie. He was in some movie about his daughter getting pregnant on prom night. Um and he was in I think I I forget who he, I forget who he was acting uh alongside who played his wife in that movie. And then also just in the WWE, he has excellent comedic timing. He's yeah. a really funny guy because he he does play that jock stereotype, but like mm-hmm. He's actually really intelligent okay. and really, really funny and, and also pretty creative. Uh, he's done a lot of really creative things in the WWE. Um, I can't be, I mean, like, I don't care about Peacemaker. I've never even heard of Peacemaker, but I, am, I, I have to see this show. I have to see this show. So you'll watch it my for, for the John Cena. Huh? I will watch it. Like, I have to see this. I have to see John Cena as peacemaker and we saw a little bit of him in the costume it looks freaking incredible it's so funny it looks just like the comics um That's i'm sure they I, I think you're right i think that they saw something in him and they're like we have got to give this guy a show because i doubt he's in the movie for very long right i would assume he's in the movie because the joke of the suicide squad is somebody's got to die which is probably going to be like arms fall off boy well i mean they <laughs> um, put out that huge list uh, James Gunn put out that huge list of, of characters, of actors. Like two years and, ago. and at the top of the list, it says, mm-hmm. don't get too attached. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. They will all show up 
and die. <laughs> yeah. And that's always been the thing in the comics. It's always been in the movies. There was like that Slipknot guy. He got killed in the first, like, very first minute of the, of the, of the mission. So, I mean, I would imagine that he's not in the movie for very long. Even if he doesn't die, I mean, it's a big cast. It's probably right. like just a few minutes of screen time he gets, but it's probably so funny. This makes me more excited for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as for Supergirl, I don't watch the show. No. Never watch it. So I think that the actress who plays her is great when she shows up in the crossovers. Yeah. I yeah. think she's a really great Supergirl, and I've heard good things about the show. I watched a couple episodes just that were a part of the crossovers, mm-hmm. and. I wasn't real hooked on the characters in that show and the sort of format. Cause you know, when you're watching the crossovers, every episode, depending on what show it belongs to, it'll have its own style. Right. Um, it'll still fit the style of that show. It's trying to still stay as just part of that show. Right. And so it re- I was really turned off to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like seeing her show up in the other stuff. Right. Uh, what did. I don't watch it anymore because Arrow ended and that was the good one. So I don't watch those anymore. Which ones are even still running? Is the Flash still running? I think the Flash is still running. I haven't heard about that getting canceled. Flash is still going. There's Black Lightning. Uh, I think Legends of Tomorrow is... No, I don't think Legends of Tomorrow is canceled yet. I think that one's still going. That's the show that even the actor... I think Brandon Ralph was like, the show that just won't get canceled is what he calls it. (laughs) Because um, they all expected it to. That's right. Funny. Um, it, it did. It did allow him to uh, put the Superman suit on again, though. Yeah, that's a great point. And and that was. I don't know if y'all got to see Crisis on Infinite Earths, but that was incredible. That it was an him in that suit, and this he gives a little speech about like every time I put on this crest, it is a reminder of those who have fallen, and I wear the black. I wear the red on top of the black to show that the light shines through the darkness, even in the darkest of time. Like just incredible, mm-hmm. one of the best Superman Superman actors. Well, he, um, I mean, that's the thing. His Superman movie is terribly underrated. I agree. It, it's, I mean, no, it's not as good as some of the other Superman movies, but it's such a love letter to the Christopher Reeves era Superman uh, movies. Mm-hmm. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. And Brandon Ralph obviously cares about it so much. He, yeah. Right. Um, is so passionate about it. So, yeah, thank God that Legends of Tomorrow and Crisis on Infinite Earths gave him an opportunity to, to put on the boots again. I love seeing that. So that one's still going, and I can't think of... If I, I any guess Stargirl's still going. Stargirl. Oh, Stargirl, yeah. Stargirl's still going. It's, Flash is probably its biggest success, because Flash is still going strong, and I don't see that slowing down. And it's, all, that, it's really beloved. Mm-hmm. Um, now... I have like these vague images in my head of like seeing an Instagram post from comicbook.com that says Flash canceled, Black Lightning canceled, Batman, like all these things canceled. But I don't think that I actually saw that. I think it's just I expected them all to be canceled. So my mind made up an image in my head of that happening. I'm sure if they would have been canceled, we would have talked about it. Yeah. It's It's also possible that you saw that they were canceling filming. Oh. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Those are still going, but I mean, I don't really, I don't watch them anymore. Uh, Stargirl was really good. We were watching that for a couple weeks, but I haven't picked it back up uh, ever since we stopped talking about it. Yeah. There's just too much stuff to watch. Yeah. You know, it just, and that's the thing. It's, there's just always so much on TV. 
is something has to be particularly good for me to continue watching it. Like, I just don't have enough time to burn. I, I would rather go watch The Office again. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. And then you don't actually some... have to watch it. Right. Um, so there are a few things that, you know, I just go back and rewatch again. Because I just don't have the emotional energy. It's like, I don't know. I, I just, the older I get, the more, the less energy I have for relationships, even something as trite as a relationship with a TV show, with anything that I'm just not all that into. <laughs> it's it's a real problem now, kind of, I think. There's so many different ways to be entertained there's so many shows and everybody can make a show now about everything. Right. And it's why really good shows fail. It's why um, you have shows that are like super high quality, like Swamp Thing on the DC Universe app. But there's so much stuff now that mm -hmm. maybe 20 years ago, a Swamp Thing TV show that good would have gotten way more viewers. Right. But now those viewers are going other places and they're seeing there's a Swamp Thing show and they're going, I don't have time to watch that or I don't have money to buy another streaming service. And so nobody watches it and so it gets canceled. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, you know, that's the thing is for a lot of TV shows, they, they just fall victim to the fact that their platform isn't that good. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, exactly. like I think kind of the exception to that was something like Karate Kid which a bunch of people went out and got, what, a month worth of subscription to YouTube Red. Yeah, the, uh, the, the uh, Cobra Kai. A Cobra Kai, you're right. I'm sorry, did I say the Karate Kid? Yeah, but I think, okay. I, I think yeah, yeah, Cobra Kai. Going after you. Um, you know, but it, it wasn't enough to prop up their lame service, and so they eventually had to yeah, sell no, it. Yeah, that's, so. that's such a dumb idea. I don't want to... We gotta catch the new episode of Scare PewDiePie. Right, I know. <laughs> We're real worried um, about that. But now Cobra Kai's on Netflix, and that show freaking rocks. Did so you I'm not see it before? That, that was the exception, huh? Did you not see it before? No, I did not see it before. I did not see it on YouTube Red. I only watched it because it was, it was on Netflix. On Netflix. Yeah. Right. It's such a good show. It really is. It's it is it's 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 great. I I had no idea I was gonna like it, uh, but it's so complex and deep. And the bad guy from the movie is pretty sympathetic, and he's like, mm -hmm. he's the main character. Yeah, and I kind of support him. And you know what? Danny's kind of a jerk, and I kind I don't <laughs> I don't really like him anymore. Right, it's, but it's you great. you do realize they're actually a lot more alike. Uh huh. Right, like they could be best friends. Right, if they just. Put, if they didn't have it, this, you know, like, ego thing between them. Yeah. Yeah, this ego thing, this thing from, like, freaking when High they were school. teenagers. Right. Yeah, from, it's great. And they talk about it. They don't shy away from that stuff. And mm -hmm. I love and it, it. It's Oh, man, it's such a great show. Definitely mm -hmm. watch. Have you, have you been on the fence about watching Cobra Kai? Please watch Cobra Kai. Definitely. It's definitely worth it. It's such a fun, easy thing to watch, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's it's great. They've done a really, really good job with everything they've done, with who they've brought back and when they chose to bring them back. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. Now, see, I wasn't initially going to watch it because it was on YouTube Red and I wasn't going to pay mm -hmm. for it. But 
Now, I think the first time, I think for the first season, we watched on a free trial on YouTube, didn't actually yeah. pay for anything. But I went to, you know, we talk about on here regularly the Fathom events mm-hmm. that the movie, some of the movie theaters do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I went to see Karate Kid followed by the first two episodes of Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. And I was hooked. Like yeah. that, that's all. Who did you go see? It? Did you go see it with Daniel? David. David. Okay, other David. <clears throat> yeah, not this David. Other David. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's gonna get confusing whenever we get the uh, RPG stuff kicked off. Um, you have to do like you do on the Xbox and just call him by his gamer <laughs> tag. <laughs> yeah, you gotta call me. Just call me John Fable, Ace Pilot. <laughs> Perfect. But I went to see it there and, you know, I was hooked. So we went ahead and watched it on YouTube. And so it's been one of those things where for the last couple of years, we've been like, oh, you haven't watched it. It's so good. And it was a few weeks ago when they finally put it on Netflix and everybody was finally discovering this thing that we've been watching for two years. It was like, (laughs) finally, finally, (laughs) people are appreciating this wonderful series that could have just disappeared into oblivion had it not ended up on Netflix. Yeah. But that's Netflix's business model. And and it's a real, I think I've talked about it before because I was kind of confused, like how they make, even make money because they put, they get all these different shows and in order for a show to make money on Netflix, in order for it to be like, oh, that made money. Theoretically, wouldn't enough people who didn't already have the subscription, who weren't going to cancel, have to look at it and go, I got to see Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and then buy a subscription, right? Right. And then now that's how that show makes money. And that, but I guess the model works because for every five failures of a show that they get, they picked up a show like Cobra Kai or Witcher, or right. Stranger Things. And they're such big successes yeah. that it makes up for all of it. So that's why they have to take the risk of getting these things. So uh, yeah. and Netflix's business model has actually saved a lot of shows in that way. Yeah, um, well, Got that Arrested Development uh, uh, season five. Um, which I, I, this is so off topic. Do you guys, I, I feel like Andrew would like Arrested Development. Oh, oh yeah, we both, we both watch Arrested Andrew Development. Andrew particularly uh, loves him arrest, some Arrested Development. But yeah, that first revival season kind of missed the mark a little bit. Yeah, it, it's, it, it, was, it, it was so disappointing. Well, I, so I, think, I think they lost sight of what makes this show good is all of the actors interacting with each other. And suddenly we were telling like this character story over here and this character story over here. And they weren't as good when they weren't mm-hmm. there together. Right. Well, and I, I think they were, I read the problem with that was like, maybe they couldn't always get all the actors together. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Everybody was busy. I also mm-hmm. feel like they were like, Ooh, censors won't tell us what to do anymore. And sometimes I feel <laughs> like that kills creativity because whenever mm-hmm. they have to like get around censors being like, you can't say that, you can't show this, you can't do that, then they have to, you know, pull in all this innuendo and these kind of like jokes and things that are, you know, like wink, wink, nod, nod, know what I mean, know what I mean, kind of things. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, whenever you don't have to kind of get around that, you don't have to try and figure out how to say, you know, racy things in a, you know, 
network approved way, then all of a sudden like, oh, we're just going to say all the things. It's like, well, now it's not funny anymore. Yeah. Congratulations. I 100% agree. (laughs) But yeah, Netflix throws a lot of stuff against the wall. But I mean, like you're saying, like that's their model and they find, but you know, they don't, every show doesn't have to be a hit. Mm-hmm. And they just, they hit, when they hit a home run, they really hit a home run. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, you know, a show that I've been, had really slept on was um, the the reboot of Lost in Space. Mm-hmm. And we just mm-hmm. finished up the first season of that, and it's wonderful. It really is. Oh, that's cool. I haven't, uh, I never gave it a chat. I, I saw it and I was like, they made a reboot of Lost in Space. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, it's, I'm going to go watch Grey's Anatomy again. It's a really good sci fi show. Yeah. It's, a, I mean, really good sci fi. And it's way, okay. So the original show, you definitely, it's like the Brady Bunch goes to space. Right. You know, like you definitely get that yeah. vibe. Um, because, you know, well, it's it, from that, yeah, it's, it's from it's, that, it's era. that era. It's that era. Um, but it's definitely got a lot more, uh, Obviously, character development and nuance, um, and your uh, your evil characters are a little less bumbling and a little more sinister, um, and your kind of heroic characters are also a little more uh, two dimensional, three dimensional. They've got more dimension, by golly! However many <laughs> dimensions makes a good character. They've got that kind of dimension. <laughs> They've got them. Um, but actually, if I can cut in, I did forget about a piece of news that I did want to mention. It's not really mm-hmm. news so much as right now it's kind of lingering in the realm of rumors, but it seems to be gaining some some real legs. And that is that Brad Wright, who did the original, the first three Stargate TV series, there's been rumors for a couple of years that he was developing a new series. And there seems to be some really credible information out there now that not only is he working on it, that they're about ready to shop it to different streaming platforms. Awesome. We want to know what happened to the destiny by golly. But I I did want to mention that it, it does. I mean, you know, as far as like, Stargate. I mean, as far as sci-fi, like what is big in sci-fi and what has been missing from sci-fi for the last 10 years, it's Stargate. Yeah. Because, wow. Well, we've got all of our other got series. got two or, seasons or, of... It's almost been 10 years because Eon will be 11 and the first season premiered the night she was born. Yeah, I mean, it's fixing to be 10 years without Stargate. Yeah. It's too long. So... Did, that's that's all I really had to say about it, but I did want to mention, because at some point on this show, we are going to do a lot more Stargate, kind of once we get through. I did see David Xbox Blue stuff. on Twitter kind of talking, we want to know what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and so, anyway, what you got yeah, next, David? Next, uh, that was just a little bit of news. Oh, also, um, and that, before we get to the real big uh, piece of news, which is the WandaVision trailer, uh, Marvel... Uh, today, I believe it was announced. Uh, they once again pushed back a lot of their movies. Um, uh, I, can't, I don't remember the exact dates, but they all got pushed back. Eternals is now going to be at the end of next right. year. Yeah, I actually have um, the I, dates here in front of me. Uh, oh, great. They pushed Black Widow back to May 7th. 
2021. So, which is right out a year from the original release right. date, right? Um, we've got Shang-Chi and The Legend of Ten Rings on July 9th. And The Eternals pushed all the way back to November 5th. So they're basically all roughly going to be a year after we were... I mean, I think Shang-Chi... I don't know, Shang-Chi, was that supposed to be this year? Yeah. So they're all going to be roughly at least, you know, nine to ten months after when we originally expected a release. Yeah. Because uh, that pushes Spider-Man 3 to December 2021. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder to February 2022. Uh, Doctor Strange all the way to March 25th of 2022. And Captain Marvel 2 all the way to July of 2022. So essentially we've set the entire MCU back a full year. Yeah. And this is the first year without a Marvel movie since 2009. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, I guess it makes sense. The first one wasn't set to release until May. And by May, everything was locked down tight. You know, and I don't think anything that's released in theaters yet has made enough money that they want to risk dropping one of their extraordinarily expensive projects in a theater right now for a tiny fraction of people to go see it. And Mulan did not make a killing on, you know, VOD. Right. Now, there were other issues there with the, the whole cancel Mulan, you know, kind of clamoring. But as David has pointed out in the past... Sometimes studios learn the wrong lessons from things. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I, I don't think that the lesson that they're going to learn from, from the backlash and the failure of Mulan is going to be um, don't be so buddy-buddy with communist China. Though what they're going to learn is don't make movies with a full cast of Chinese people. And they're, the other lesson they're going to learn is don't l drop movies on VOD. I think they're going to learn all the wrong things from this. Yeah. Well, I mean, they mm -hmm. knew they were taking a loss on the VOD drop. Yeah. Uh, I think they felt like they needed to put something out. And I think that I think that Mulan was the sacrificial lamb. Mm -hmm. um, I think with the Marvel stuff, I, I think because we know what kind of machine Marvel has been. Mm -hmm. They know what they're doing. And Kevin Feige talked about this way real early in this shutdown was that they did not have any intention of letting, because they have a, this mapped out story that they're trying to tell mm -hmm. and that they would, that this would not interfere with this, that this was not going to mess that up. If that means setting everything back a year before they start telling the story again, mm -hmm. they're going to do that rather than release one and then risk not being able to release the next one. So here's my question. Um, we're expecting that um, some of the TV shows coming up are going to have direct bearing on some of these movies that they've now pushed back an entire year. So, you know, initially we were like, oh, so they're going to fill in all that gap with television. Right. But does that mean that they're going to push back 
the next season of these shows a whole nother year because all the related movies are getting pushed no. back a year. And, and we actually don't have any real confirmation of how these TV shows will tie to the movies. That's true. There's a lot of assumption that the one we're going to talk about here in a minute with WandaVision will tie closely to uh, Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange. Uh, but we don't actually know that. So I think that they're comfortable pushing the movies back a year because before that first movie comes out, we're going to get two, maybe three series on Disney+. And it's kind of a chance. It's not what they wanted, but it's kind of a chance to pull back, take a breath, and let those TV and let these Disney Plus series shine and carry the torch for a year. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for the shows. I mean, I was excited for... Uh, these shows a bit more than I was for some of the movies. That's um, true. Yeah. To be honest. Uh, but speaking of those shows, like you just mentioned, uh, there was that new WandaVision trailer that dropped earlier this week. And I was, I, I loved all the stuff we were seeing from the show already. And this trailer made me even more excited for this show. I think it looks so creative and so fun and so interesting and different, and so it, it looks like something Marvel's never made, uh, which is always really really fun. Yeah, uh, I always love that, and it just it looks incredible. Um, I really cannot wait to see the show, and it actually is going to be dropping this year, uh, before the end of this year, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is exciting. We are getting something Marvel. Yep. Um, and and I, I I thought you know I think when we first talked about this about the um, about the shows that were announced I said something like oh Wandavision can't wait for that like you know being all sarcastic but I genuinely I'm more excited for this than I am for for anything that I've seen uh, from Marvel uh, or any of the announcements so that that's awesome it looks great uh, what are y'all's thoughts. Um, no, I, mean, I love the trailer. Um, it looks kind of like we're going to kind of walk through the decades of TV sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of starting off with what looks very bewitched mm-hmm. up through at least the 90s uh, with the look that they're going for. So um, I, it looks fun. It looks real trippy, which is kind of what it needs to be. But um, Marisha, what did you think about the just the trailer? I think it's really intriguing. Um, I don't know. I think it's, like you said, I think it's definitely going to be trippy. I think that they're, I think you're intended to watch the trailer and go, what the heck? Um, And I think that's exactly what it does. It's got lots of elements that if they had just stuck with one trope, you'd be like, oh, I know what this is going to be. This is going to be, but it changes so quickly. Um, I think we're going to get to see the, some of the, weird workings of the mind stone going on, you know, with, with that being where Wanda and vision both get their powers. I think we're going to learn out. We're going to learn some more things that we didn't already know um, about that particular infinity stone. But yeah, I think it looks great. I think it looks like a lot of fun. I'm excited because I think it's going to be one that we can watch with the kids, which is, you know, always a, a plus for me. Unlike Cobra Kai, that's the one thing about Cobra Kai y'all. Just because your kids watch Karate Kid does not mean that you should let them watch Cobra Kai because the language is terrible. But um, I'm sorry. I'm just that person now. Like, I've turned full-on mom. (laughs) (laughs) 
so yeah, I'm excited. I think it's, I think it looks really great. What were your thoughts yeah, on it, I, I, I agree with y'all. I think it's going through all these different eras of TV, um, which is why I think it looks so creative. And, and it looks like the actors, because, you know, Paul Bettany is one of the most incredible actors oh, absolutely. Um, in the world. Right. And so it looks like he's really going to get a chance to stretch his legs and do something really cool. Elizabeth Olsen, don't sleep on her either. She's great. Um, and I think she's going to get to do lots of really fun stuff already in this trailer. There's lots of fun stuff. I, I loved the uh, Halloween costumes. Yeah. Uh, we already saw the one of Scarlet Witch. We saw the one of the Vision. That was that was awesome. I loved it. Um, it does look really trippy. It looks like, you know, it kind of looks like lighthearted and fun, but we all knew, like, Vision's dead. So it's going to have to delve into some dark things here. Like, something dark and sinister is going on. Right. Uh, with all this. Something is not right. It looks like it's fun, looks like it's happy, but something is really, really, really wrong. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it, it's, I'm really excited to see where they go with that. And, and you're right, it probably will um, tie into, I, I think it will, tie, it will be tying into um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of, Mad, Multiverse of Madness. Scarlet Witch is going to be in that movie, and um, I I can't be more I couldn't be more excited for this show. I, I think it looks incredible. Yeah. Uh, but earlier before the show started, you told me that you had some questions uh, about uh, about some things uh, having to do with this trailer for, for me. Okay, so there are a couple of little Easter eggs that show up in that trailer, and even uh, it's it's Bendis that wrote House of M, correct? Yeah. Okay, because even he was very excited about these little Easter eggs that uh, an M logo that looks a lot like the House of M logo. Um, there's a bottle of wine that's the, the Maison, Maison du Mapri, uh, which is it's, it's French for House of Contempt. Um, okay. There seems to be a lot of belief that this is going to somehow be related to the House of M story, which seems impossible because none of the characters that would be critical to that story exist in this universe yet, right? Yeah, um, right. Uh, the main character of the House of M is Wolverine. Right. Um, so, yeah, nothing, and, and, and also the other characters are all characters that... Um, are in the Marvel universe now, but have, you know, Captain Marvel's out in space. Right. Somewhere. Probably Iron Man's dead. Right. Captain America is already in in house of M. Captain America uh, is is an old man. He's all right. We already seen that. Right. But we're, and we're also missing Magneto and, uh, right. You know, so now you may have to correct me if I'm wrong, because this is mostly me going and doing a bunch of reading ahead of time because I haven't actually read the books. So, but this okay. is this is me trying to like get a good grasp on the House of M story. Now, the whole thing essentially stems from this premise that Wanda through her grief is like this uncontrollable warping of reality, right? That they're trying to stop. Yes. And uh, she winds exactly. up 
because of Quicksilver telling her to to basically to make everyone happy, altering reality, and suddenly you know Magneto is ruling over the mutants who are ruling over the humans, and yeah. all this craziness. Um, yeah, but uh, I, the, the I, M in House of M actually doesn't stand for mutant. It stands hmm. for House of Magneto. Right. Oh, wow. Interesting. I assumed it was mutant. So. Yeah. Um, now, you know, we have they haven't been afraid in, in the MCU to take concepts and play with them. And we definitely seem to see this possibly uncontrolled mm-hmm. warping of reality going on. Mm-hmm. And how much effect this warping of reality is occurring for her and how much of it is affecting the world around her, we don't really know yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know one of the big things about House of M, the way it ends, that a lot of people really weren't fond of is Wanda saying, no more mutants. And that's mm-hmm. it. Everything goes back to normal, except none of the mutants are mutants anymore. Yeah. So exactly. is it possible that we're going to play with this. And, and I know a lot of people were upset about that line and it kind of made Wanda a maligned character there for a little while. Is it possible that in the MCU, we're going to re- we're going to do it backwards and Wanda is going to essentially be the mother of all mutants. Hmm. Right. So I had not put that together at all. Um, but now that you mention it, it sounds like something they would definitely do. You're right. They do have to play with concepts and stories. I mean, the, the, the house of them story is on such a large scale that it would be an Avengers level. It would be in a, and that's an Avengers level threat. Um, uh, that's uh, that's Mysterio from, from far from home said that, uh, <laughs> fun meme. Anyway, um, it would be a Avengers Endgame movie level movie right if they were to do the story but the concept you're 100 right and i hadn't thought about this but the concept of wanda is grieving she's warping reality she does something at the end of her warping that makes things crazy mm-hmm. that 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 sounds about right i could definitely see her i i don't i don't know the kind of mental gymnastics that that would have to be made to justify her somehow coming going from my husband was killed by Thanos to I'm going to make mutants. Right. Um, you know, because the whole thing with, she said no more mutants because she was able, all the bad things that were happening to her, she sort of blamed on the mutant population. Right. Um, it was actually, uh, and it's fun how this is twisted around. Um, I believe in, in house of M or maybe it was more like Avengers disassembled, like the one that came right before the kind of set up house of them. Mm-hmm. It was somewhere in between there where they found out that Wanda was going crazy. The X-Men, the mutants were the ones that were like, we're going to freaking kill this witch because she's going to ruin everything. Right. And it was the Avengers who were like, no, we can help her. I'm Captain America. Truth, justice, you know, <laughs> the American so, way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so she was able to, it kind of made sense. Everyone did hate Wanda and it, it, and in the, at the end of the day, I mean, like all things return to status quo, obviously there are mutants again, they're back. They just happened because Bendis was like, oh crap, but we need to tell stories about the (laughs) X-Men. Right. Uh, 
they have they're, they're born with powers again right they just, they just are um and it gets a little deeper than that but we, i don't want to it's a right there's a there's a there's a chick named hope and she goes to the future with cable and com- long story but um so it kind of made sense what was going on there i don't know how they would do that here but i could see that happening you're right mm-hmm. the con- like it's sort of like how thor ragnarok uses the concept of uh planet hulk right yeah i mean yeah, and, and that's sword. and that's kind of what we've seen i mean we've seen and it's kind of like we were talking about what are they going to do with Kang the Conqueror? Well, Kang the Conqueror is a big Avengers level threat, right? But right. they're doing Ant, they're you know now he's going to be Ant Man's villain, so they're obviously going to tone him down a little bit here. So mm-hmm. we're not, and that's kind of the thing. Like every villain that shows up can't be Thanos. Like you've right. you've got to tone these down for them to work in these individual movies because right. it's because you're trying to do it as a movie and make people buy it. You can't do it just like a comic book. Um, you know, it's like comic books. It's like the it, it's like Stan Lee. You know, people ask Stan Lee all the time, "Well, who's the most powerful character?" And who you know, who's the most powerful villain? And all this, and he says, "Well, whichever one I'm writing, you know, whichever one, <laughs> yeah. basically whichever one needs to be for my story." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can't be that fluid with it if you're going to make these movies all connected. You've got to build. You're taking ideas from the comics and building a new world. That's why it's the MCU. Yeah. It's a separate idea. You're playing. You're just playing with the toys in the toy box. I right. Mean, I, it's like when I was a kid and I had my GI Joes fighting Batman. It, they're just all were in the toy box. That doesn't actually make any sense. But I pulled <laughs> it out and let's see what happens here. It's why Shang Chi is fighting the Mandarin, who is not a Shang Chi villain. Right. Um, also, if the Mandarin gets those ten, ten rings, no Bruce Bruce Lee karate is gonna stop the Mandarin. Um, but they're gonna, you know, tone it down, play with it, just like you said, we came to conquer. Um, so yeah, they're just playing with toys in the toy box, and I think that'd be great. It, it, for a long time, people were saying that WandaVision is gonna be, oh, it's it's gonna be Vision, the the book Vision. Well, there do seem to be some elements of that in there. There are definitely some elements, but. Now that you kind of pointed it out and we're seeing more of it, it's almost like you're. I think you're right. It's like it almost is a bit like how, it's almost like a mix of like the concepts of House and M and Vision, um, all being thrown together. Right. Which, by the way, if they ever actually made a Vision miniseries, it would probably be like the best thing that Marvel ever made since that book is one of the best things Marvel's made in the last like twenty years. Really. Um, it's it's. Excellent. I, I, I highly recommend uh, Tom King's vision to anybody. But yeah, there do seem to be some elements. It's going to be kind of a mix of those different things. Mm-hmm. And also, I think obviously, just kind of their own ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, there are talented people working there that have wrote some really cool stuff. So I think it's very possible that like, we. it's very possible none of the show could have anything to do with what we're talking about, and it's an entirely new thing. Right. And it's just good. And, and I do think Who it's going to be loosely connected because, you know, you're missing characters that would be critical to doing it just like. Right. But it does appear to be borrowing concepts. But my bet has been on either this or the Doctor or Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness or possibly these two stories combined. Maybe she's going to trigger something that's going to require Doctor Strange to help sort it out. Mm-hmm. Um. 
I do think that this is probably one of our best bets for how the mutants are going to come into this world. I agree. Uh, it's either going to be coming from Wanda sort of creating it or something with the multiverse of madness. Right. And if it's not either of those things, it'll be something like Professor... I've seen this done around a lot, that Professor Xavier was hiding mutants' existence. Right. Um, and now he's not anymore. It's some mental gymnastics to do, but it's something you just got to get over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to bring them in, I mean, you're going to have to, however they decide to do it, you're just going to have to go, well, okay, well now, now they're part of it. And so let's just tell stories now. Yeah. <laughs> but it is what it is, man. Why, yeah. why weren't they around when Thanos was attacking? Uh, because Disney didn't own them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's why. Yeah, yep. it's that simple. It's you don't have to have the. It, they're doing their best to give you an in-universe explanation, man. Right, I promise. Right, but sometimes you just got to accept that the explanation is it. not in-universe. But I'm, I am yeah, excited about it. this show now, and especially now that I'm looking at it and considering that it might actually have large. It's one of those things. Well, like they told us these shows were going to connect to the MCU. They are MCU proper. They're not some separate thing. Mm -hmm. But in my head, it still was hard to go, well, like what kind of effect are these shows going to have on the MCU? Well, mm -hmm. if they're doing some variation of mm -hmm. House of M here, this could have profound effects yeah. on the MCU. Mm -hmm. It could, but which would also make it really interesting. Now, the one thing that makes it kind of, makes me kind of feel like maybe not is because um, Falcon Winter Soldier was supposed to come out first. Right. And now it's not. Now WandaVision's coming out first. And so it coming out first before anything else kind of makes me feel like maybe they don't have anything in it that's going to alter the whole MCU. Because theoretically, if it's such a big deal then every MCU property after would sort of have to address it. But also, that's all theoretically. I mean, right. they can just... I mean, you had Doctor Strange fighting a like demon, like a time um, magic demon thing, and nobody gave a crap about that in, in the next movie. So right. it's an, that's another thing you just have to accept. So I'm really excited to see. I'm really excited to see Doctor Strange and Wanda together. That is one of my favorite relationships from the comics because it's such a great concept. That, like Doctor Strange trained for years to get where he's at, and Wanda's just born with it. And right. that secretly really kind of pisses him off because right. she is not supposed to have magic. It is irresponsible. It's the same reason that they don't let random people from the street do brain surgery right. <laughs> um, on, on patients. Um there's this great line, and I love it so much. And it's kind of in retcon now by new writers, but this was a Bendis line. It was actually during House of M. Um, all this stuff was going on, and people are making excuses for Wanda. And it was like, no, you can't blame her. She she has chaos magic. It's chaos magic. She can't control it. And Doctor Strange was like, there's no such thing <laughs> as chaos magic. It's magic, and being absolutely insane at the same time that you have it. It's it's not, stop making excuses for it. She's just crazy and she has magic. Um, so I do, I, I'm very excited to see them together in Multiverse of Madness. Uh, I, I, I love Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange, so. I can't, is there anything that he isn't just great in? He's excellent. 
Um, Sherlock has some problems, to be honest, when you really look deep into it and you yeah, think about it. Yeah, but he's so fun. But it's just so fun. It's man. so fun. Look at, it's look like at him and Bilbo. I know exactly, <laughs> exactly. Solving mysteries mm-hmm. with those sweet trench coats and, and and that cool jacket with the leather patch that he wears. He's so cool. Mm-hmm. Gotta love it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't. We. I'm gonna. I'm gonna restrain from going off on a tangent about Sherlock when talking about Wandavision, um, even though I want to. Uh, do you guys have any other final thoughts on on the Wandavision trailer? Uh, I think we've gotten pretty deep into it and discussed yeah. a lot of really interesting things. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm interested to see what kind of effect it's going to have on the MCU. Um, and I'm interested to see what kind of cool costumes I will get to make as a result of this show. <laughs> and, and, of course, this is, like, Scarlet Witch is a character I really knew the name but didn't know much about before she came into the MCU. And it's now one of my favorite characters, so I, I'm really excited to see where they go w- with this. Me too. Elizabeth what? Elizabeth Olsen, Olsen was just the perfect casting for that. Yep. Who had ever thought that Michelle Tanner's and Michelle Tanner's little sister was going to be the, one of the big things? And, uh, yeah, it's so funny because I, I never clicked that they were related, that, yeah. that, that the Olsen twins related to Elizabeth Olsen. Mm-hmm. Right. I just, it just didn't. There's no way. No. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But and then you look at it and you're like, oh, that makes sense. If she were blonde, yeah. Pretty much looks exactly oh the same. Could you imagine if in one of the scenes and one of like the, the moments, you know, WandaVision, it, kind of the, some of the stuff that they're doing, it's, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a full house-ish vibe. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. That could be pretty fun. What if, what if the twins show up? Like, <laughs> hey, what's going on? Like, you know, show up. One day, oh, that'd be that would be pretty oh. funny. Except, I guess it appears that they that they have zero interest in returning to acting. Yeah, uh, because I mean, they like, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> or what? Oh man, who, what's the actor who who played Danny Tanner? Um, uh, Bob Saget. Bob Saget. That would Bob actually Sa- be funnier Bob to me as if Bob Saget Bob showed up. Yeah, Bob if, Saget. If they're if doing he like up, that'd be the best thing Marvel's ever made. If I they're doing it. like sitcom so riffs, I mean, that would there it wouldn't be much funnier than to have a full house riff at yeah. some point. Yeah. yeah, that'd be perfect. If they don't do that, they are missing a golden opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to start a petition and a shirt. Definitely a, shirt. a hashtag. We need a hashtag. Get Bob Saget on Wandavision. Yeah, pretty sure. hilarious. Um, <laughs> but um, that's kind of wraps up all the news that we had going on. And um, the other thing we wanted to talk about in this show, wanted to do is, is get back to our X Files yeah. reviews that we were doing for a while. We we kind of watch a couple, take a break because we just have so many ideas and so much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've always been excited to get back into X Files. I don't have time to watch it just without being told by andrew to watch it because you have to watch big brother because i have to (laughs) i'm not watching it right now i'm not gonna lie to you while talking i i've been on the uh on the big brother live update twitter uh (laughs) seeing what's going on because it's a live eviction tonight um uh but this is just that important to me that i'm not watching it um i have to catch the recap later on the cbs account that i use to watch star trek right uh, quote unquote definitely (laughs) only for star trek 
Yeah, I promise, Dad, only for Star Trek. <laughs> and I totally didn't give it to my sister, so she can watch Star Trek on it, too. Right, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> and your ex-wife to also watch Star Trek on it. <laughs> She's watching lots of Star Trek. <laughs> so, Andrew... Tell us about the X Files show that you had. X Files episode you had us okay. watch so this week. I had a, I had a, I had three episodes originally pulled, but we all kind of ran out of time, and so we're going to push those to next week. And, and I had those. So I wanted to keep those three together because they're related. They're not related per se, but they're thematically. Okay. They're very similar. Actually, they were criticized for being so thematically similar. Hmm. But um, they, they are interesting episodes. But this episode, this next episode that I chose for tonight, I, I just picked the one, episode 13, Beyond the Sea. This is an episode that is initially the ratings were kind of, they weren't, they were kind of mid-range for the, where the first season of The X-Files was hitting. Uh, but it's one that people have come back to since and kind of done retrospectives. When they've come back and done retrospectives on The X-Files, one that has kind of been pulled aside as one of the best Monster of the Week characters in Boggs and also been called by a number of critics the best standalone episode of The X-Files, period. Hmm. Wow. Uh, that worm time is a creepy dude. Yep. Uh, <laughs> He'll yeah. never not be worm tug. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, they, they based him and the other character, uh, Lucas Henry, was the guy they were trying to catch mm-hmm. um, on real-life serial killer Henry Lee Lucas. And, of course, you know, so they took the—they the, mm-hmm. were using that serial killer, that real-life serial killer, as their base here, and then named their two— the mm-hmm. guy in prison and the real killer that's out there mm-hmm. after the serial killer. But Brad Dourif, who played Grima Wormtongue in— uh, Lord of the Rings, man, he can do creepy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, I saw his face and I was like, that guy's from Lord of the Rings. But it took me a long time to figure out. I couldn't get it out of my head. I was like, oh, that's Smeagol right before he turns into Gollum. Mm-hmm. That's what he I does look seeing. a lot like him. Yeah. 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 So I was like, no, no but it's not Indy Circus. So then I realized it's Warm Tongue. Yeah, he is freaking creepy. And he pulled out some real acting chops in this episode. He really um, did. It was he. He was. It was a real standout performance. He. He. He was the standout of the episode. Um, I absolutely adored watching this episode. I, I couldn't put it down. Just like most of the episodes we watch here, I, I start watching it and I can't put it down because I got to know what happens next mm-hmm. because it's so fun trying to figure out. Just like just like Scully and just like Mulder, you're trying to figure out what's true and what's not. Right, mm-hmm. and the entire episode, you're going back and forth of is this guy full of crap, or is this guy the real deal? And 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 every time you get a piece of evidence that leans one way, you get a piece mm-hmm. of evidence that leads the other, and everything can, can can be explained in some way, and some things can't be explained. And right. this time, at the beginning, Mulder is the skeptic, mm. right. and Scully is believing him. And also all the stuff with with Scully's dad, mm-hmm. um, the beyond the the name of the episode Beyond the Sea that that thematic element that kept showing up, um, 
and, and uh, all that that whole uh, plot device of maybe she wants to believe that that this guy really can like talk to the dead so that way she can talk to her father like it's, but not in a cringy weird way like you could tell that Scully's so emotional about it mm-hmm. and she put out some incredible um, acting chops as well in this episode that that scene Absolutely. where um, right after Mulder is in the hospital and she goes to see him and she's like if you if he's dead I don't remember the exact lines but it was like I will personally make sure that you were in that gas chamber like that was inc- whoa Mm-hmm. Uh, really blew me away. Um, yeah, she doesn't lose her cool very often. No, she doesn't. She she's. I, I love. I, I'm falling in love with Scully as a character. I really am. Uh, I think she's amazing. Um, and and this episode made me love her even more. Um, I hated seeing Mulder hurt. Like that's like I love like the emotional. Ta- it's really built an emotional attachment. Uh, well, to these characters, the show has. Mm-hmm. Um, because I hated seeing Mulder hurt, and I was kind of feeling the same way. I'm like, if he, I mean, obviously I know he doesn't die. We've already watched it. Obviously he doesn't die, but it's like that same thing where it's like, if something happens to Mulder, you sob. Um, mm-hmm. Oh man, if something, and, and that's how I feel about Scully. Like every time Scully's been in danger, it's like if something happens to Scully, I swear to God, I will come through the screen, and I will choke slam you. Um, so that's great. Um, I love just the, the the emotional attachment to the characters and seeing them go through their struggles like this, and just the back and forth of this episode really kept you on your toes. Yeah, just another great mystery episode of the X Files. I loved it. Yeah. So the one of the things that this episode was credited for doing was really humanizing the character of Scully. Mm-hmm. That. Up to this point, you got to remember, we've actually even stepped back. I mean, we've watched some episodes that were ahead of this because of the way I'm trying to group episodes. So kind of saying, well, this is the midway mark for Mm -hmm. the first season. So we've watched like four episodes that are after this one. Mm -hmm. This one is, it's really the first point where we see Scully, like normally she's just like straight laced. Hard line, like, um, you don't see her break. You don't see the cracks in the armor. And, and you, re- and then all of a sudden, this episode, you really do. But you're telling a couple of different stories here. And, and you brought in great actors like um, Don Davis, who played her father, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Dourif, who played Boggs. And so you've really got a couple of stories playing out here. Like, you've got this this great story that's just a great X-Files story, this really weird supernatural thing going on, and right up to the end we're going, is it real? Is it fake? What's happening? Uh, This this serial killer that it's based on was actually involved in several, like, he claims to have killed hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. Now, they only know for sure that he killed three, and maybe then then there's a few others that they think he might have killed, but he claims to have killed at least 100 people. Wow. So kind of some weird hoaxes and things that like in his own story. And so that's kind of where the concept came up from. But so we get this great story of this guy who's, I mean, he's sort of being tortured. You know, this whatever this realm he's living in between life and death. Mm-hmm. 
uh, where, you know, he was supposed to die and he didn't. And now he's all these spirits that took over his body and just sheer X-Files craziness. Yeah. And then we've got that set against this backdrop of Scully dealing with her, the loss of her, mm-hmm. her father. And, and this whole thing she's wrestling with of what did he really think of me and the decisions I've made in my life? Mm-hmm. Like he tried to tell me something. He died. I saw a vision of my father. He tried to tell me something. What did he try to tell me? Mm-hmm. And so her, you know, really grasping at that and, and to the point of reaching out to a lunatic right. to try to find out what her father was trying to tell her. Yeah. Um, and ultimately realizing that her mother gave her the right answer earlier. Yeah. That, of, of course, you know, he loved you. He was your father. Yeah. So um, it, it's, a, it's a really deep. There's a lot going on in this episode. Marisha, you really ain't told us what you thought of it, but. Man, that guy is creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always, you know, that's always my takeaway with these, uh, with these serial killer uh, characters. But, you know, it's interesting because we've seen a lot of. Mulder's vulnerabilities this thus you know up to this point in the story we've seen you know his obsession and we've seen the psychological damage that the disappearance of his sister you know has done so we've seen a lot of his vulnerabilities but um Scully has just always been so even keel and so like whatever you know that's kind of been you know, almost to the point where sometimes it's just a little annoying because she's just so determined to be a skeptic. Um, and so this is the first time where we really see something. We see this become personal to her the same way it is for Mulder. Right. But interestingly, it's the same. It's at the same time we see something so personal to Mulder that he won't look past his personal feelings, which is not something that we see a lot of from Mulder. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's typically willing to see things from any crazy psychopath's point of view. But this guy, that's it. That's where he draws the line. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love how he even said, like, I 100% believe that there are psychic abilities, just not from him. Like, if this was any other person saying this stuff, he'd be all in. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Guy. I love the personal connection he has to him and stuff, and. it? It's one of those things that keeps you on your toes. Is he just saying this to get back at Mulder? Right. But it, it's interesting. And one of the things you were talking about, how we see all Mulder's vulnerabilities early in this show, It's I never really thought of it this way, but Mulder's almost like a really low-key Batman, <laughs> or at least a low-key Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And, and that he's Whoa. he's he's pursuing these things. He His sister, he, he became the detective... Because his, he lost his sister, not his parents. Mm-hmm. But that's why that's what drives him. That's why he does what he does. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of got this weird rogues gallery of you Messed know misfits psychopaths. and psychopaths that he's out mm-hmm. there dealing with. And yeah, yeah, a bit of a reputation and mm-hmm. some enemies. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great. I like that. Yeah, I really like that comparison. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, Molder man, <laughs> but you know the kind of the the crazy thing about this episode is, it, I mean, in a lot of ways, I feel like X Files is kind of the Fox Molder show. 
And we, you know, like he gets taken out at the very beginning of this episode. And he just kind of shows up as like, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Don't, you know, he's just sort of Jiminy Cricket, you know, periodically. But that's really all we see of Fox Mulder in this show. So it's really the first time we get to see Scully, you know, really kind of take center stage, which is kind of different. And I think it works. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I love the song. It's one of my favorites, uh, Beyond the Sea. Yeah. So that's always a seller. And I, I feel like sometimes I always really appreciate whenever they do a really great job with episode titles. Uh, and I feel like this one, they really hit on the head. Sometimes it's like, you, you know, you read the episode title and you're like, oh, you know, Jersey Devil. Okay, you know, like, but this one, I feel like, you know, I, I'm terrible at title like Andrew can tell you like ev- literally when I was in school every time I'd have a you know I mean all of the, my creative writing classes and stuff and that's because that's what I did and I'd be like I've got Andrew you got to help me come up with a title because I was just so I appreciate whenever somebody really pulls out a title that really works yeah mm-hmm. um, right and this one did and they really interlaced this theme of what's beyond, what lies beyond mm-hmm. through this whole episode. Yep. Both for Luther Boggs' story and for Scully's story. Mm-hmm. It's it's always so satisfying to see a story where everything is so tight. Everything meshes so mm-hmm. well. Um, and, of course, it leaves you in classic X-Files form. It leaves you with that question of, was he just full of it? Like, clearly he's tormented, but is he, has he set all of this up or is it real? And you don't really get a definitive answer. No. And um, you, it you, leaves you guessing. And you never find out. Like, you see, you know, I mean, you assume when you see her father sitting there, you know, not, you know, just mouthing words that you can't hear. You're like, well, clearly we're going to find out what he's saying, you know, because like, clearly that's where this is going, right? Right. And if they don't, that's such a, like, right. maddening <laughs> X-Files thing to do. Be like, oh, yeah, and that, you know, question we threw out there at the beginning of the episode that we're clearly going to answer it. Ha! Not yeah. going to. It was a red herring. It wasn't over. important. See you next week. It was a red herring. Yeah, great storytelling trope. Just an excellent example of, of how to write a really good story. Um. That 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 Hello? develops your characters and your world and, and asks questions and great red herrings and keeps you on your toes the entire time. Just a, a excellent piece of storytelling. It really is. Right. Yeah, it's a it's a great episode. I it's it, it's kind of a middle of the road episode for me, as far as what we have. I, I mean. I like some of the Monster of the Week stuff. I, I still say, despite the fact that a lot of people really like Luther Lee Boggs as maybe the best Monster of the Week, I, I do see, I mean, he's a he's a very complex character. He's very much, he's a lot more complex than Victor Toombs. But I, for me, I don't know if he surpasses Victor Toombs as one of these monsters. Yeah, I was thinking about Tombs. Um, 
uh, while while especially when Marisha was talking because I know she hates tombs with a passion, um, and just in pure creepiness fashion, no, nothing beats tombs. Um, and also just in this idea of like a rival to Mulder, like the Joker mm-hmm. to Mulder's Batman, Tombs kind of fills that role pretty well, at least so far and what I've seen so far. So I think you're right there where Tombs kind of has a beat on that, but I still really enjoyed um, Boggs a lot and, and think he's a nice addition as a character. You know, he's a good entry on the wiki. Right. All right. Well, do you have any final thoughts on the X Files on this episode of the X Files? I know. I just I was really happy with it. I really enjoyed watching it, and it's just another example of great storytelling. Oh wait, I know what I did want to mention. I love the cinematography in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like every episode they really do something different and interesting and create some beautiful shots. Um, it'd be very easy for a week for I'm assuming this was weekly TV. Or was it monthly? Weekly. It was week. I'm, yeah, I thought it was weekly. It'd be really easy for a weekly television show to just not take any chances and kind of have the same shots and same angles and same camera work every single week and just changing up the story. But they really do um, change the cinematography however they have to to best tell the story. And they always do some really interesting things, and it really stood out to me in this show. Um, it was one of my favorite parts. I, I love just the, the great shots uh, that they always uh, seem to get great transitions and, and um, like the really cool stuff whenever um, whenever Boggs is like having one of his moments and he's talking about what he sees and you see it cutting back and forth and just really, really interesting creative stuff that they had going on with this episode. Yeah. So um, I loved I loved watching it. It was a great experience. All right. So I think we're I think we're done. Who wants to sign us out, David? Sure. So that's been the show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, unfortunately, this week we're only going to have one episode, so you're not going to be able to catch our Thursday episode. But uh, you'll see us again next Monday, and then hopefully the Thursday after that, yep. and so on and so forth. And don't forget to check out the back catalog of all of our all of our shows. We do the recent news, so that might get a little dated. But in the episodes, we also talk about different concepts and ideas that, that are timeless and, and will always be kind of relevant and fun discussions. Uh, whatever uh, podcast uh, medium you're listening to us on, please do us a big favor and give us a like or a subscribe or a thumbs up or leave a review. I believe Andrew said like, the most important thing you can do for a podcast you like is leaving a review on iTunes. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, it, it would mean the whole world to us. Thank you so much. And, and don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter and all of our social media uh, platforms that Andrew will tell you about in, in just a moment. Uh, so, Andrew, where can people find uh, you and, and the rest of uh, the Science Fictionary uh, accounts on, on Twitter? Okay. I mean, on on, on, on everything. <laughs> on everything. Not all right. just Twitter. You no can pressure. find me running the Twitter account for this show at Sci underscore Fictionary. Uh, you can find our other show, Coruscant Radio Underground, just like this one. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find that show. And the Twitter account for that show is crew underscore podcast at CRU underscore podcast. You can drop us a line at sciencefictionary at gmail.com. You can check out the sciencefictionary.com, uh, especially if you're working your way through our pillars of sci-fi or pillars of fantasy uh, episodes. There are some articles or at least some lists that will help you go walk through those 
episodes there at thesciencefictionary.com. You can find us, as well as the rest of the Red 5 podcast family, at red5network.com or at red5network on Twitter. Sweet. All right. And Marisha? You can find me at princessesandpadawans.com. You can find my Instagram, um, which I, I swear someday we'll have new things on it again, at princesses underscore and underscore padawans. And I am P Padawans on Twitter. All right. And my name is David. You guys can find me on Twitter at stay underscore creative DD and on Instagram at the same name. Also, check out my YouTube channel, Creative D&D, where I do all sorts of podcast videos and tons of fun stuff about uh, TV shows, film, comic books, uh, every nerdy thing you can think of. And thank you guys so much for listening. And don't forget, we'll be back. <laughs>